welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. Each week, you will encounter me, Daniel Gundlach, as your host, guiding you along a magical route that will bring us closer to the voices of those singers that most enchant and transform us, no matter what else is going on in the world out there. Thank you for joining me on that path. This week's episode. Hey everybody, it's my birthday month, and therefore the entire month of October is going to be taken up with various kinds of birthday celebrations. One birthday that happens either the 9th or the 10th of October, depending on which source you consult, is that of the great Italian composer Giuseppe Verdi. I had decided that to help lighten the burden of my production schedule, that I would devote one episode a month to what I'm going to refer to as comings and goings, those who were born in a given month and those who have died in that same month. Today, we're just celebrating births, however. First and foremost, that of Verdi. But interestingly, as I was putting my list of birthday celebrants for the month of October together, it struck me how many of these singers were exceptional interpreters of the music of Verdi. So that's what we're having today, a Libran celebration of the birthday of Giuseppe Verdi, featuring interpreters who were also born in October. Let's lead off with the wonderful Dominican tenor Francisco Casanova, who was born on the 3rd of October, 1957, and, I'm sad to say, who died on the 26th of September, 2019. Far too young. Anyway, he's going to lead us in with a canzone, a song, of Giuseppe Verdi to a text by Andrea Maffei, the Brindisi, not the famous one from Traviata, which I sort of despise, but rather a different text, which once again talks about the fleetingness of life and pleasure. Sorry. 
In today's episode, we're going to cover the gamut of Verdi's compositional career, from his first gargantuan critical and audience success, Nabucco, through his final masterpiece, Falstaff. Let's listen to a little bit of the villainous slash heroine Abigail's Shena that opens Act Two of Nabucco. Our first birthday girl today is the South African soprano Elizabeth Connell, who was born on October 22nd, 1946, and died on February 18th, 2012. Another premature departure. We're just going to listen to the restative of this big scene. But she attacks it so fearlessly, which is exactly what this part requires. And she's got it. I love the way she does the famous two-octave descent from high C to middle C. This is a live performance from Melbourne on the 7th of May, 1996, and the conductor is Carlo Felice Cillario. our primary birthday boy. Let it never be said that his compositional style did not evolve with the times. The excerpt that we heard from Nabucco was very much in the recitativo, cavatina, cabaletta structure that was so common in Italian opera. 
And yet, though Verdi resisted the influence of Wagner, on the other hand, he became very much an advocate of a different kind of music drama, which found its pinnacle in his last two operas, Otello and Falstaff, both fashioned from source material by William Shakespeare, by the composer-librettist Arrigo Boito. We're going to hear right now a brief excerpt from Otello, in which Iago lies to Otello outright in order to fuel his jealousy. We're going to hear the young Tito Gobbi, who was one of the towering operatic figures of the 20th century. Gobbi was born October 24th, 1913, and lived through March 5th, 1984. One thinks of him as not having had such a beautiful voice, but rather having been driven by his prowess as an actor. But this is an early recording, and we're going to hear that there actually was a great deal of intrinsic beauty in the young Tito Gobbi's voice. But even at this early date, the primary impression one takes away is Gobbi's extraordinary ability to create character, in this case, a highly malevolent one. Alberto Herrede leads the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra.
the range of Tito Gobbi's Verdi portrayals was enormous. He portrayed the baritone parts in virtually all of Verdi's operas which have entered the standard repertoire, including the part of Falstaff, which is sometimes also taken by bass baritones, like Donald Graham, for instance, whom we heard a few weeks ago. But Falstaff is unusual in that there are two baritone parts. He did sing Ford at the very beginning of his career, but he rapidly abandoned that part for the more interesting character study of Falstaff, which he first sang in 1942. Ford is perhaps more of a one-note role. He's jealous and he's vengeful, but he also does have a sense of fun. But even within those relatively narrow confines, he does display a range of feelings and emotions. And those are on display in his monologue, A Sogno o Realtà, which occurs toward the end of the first scene of Act Two, after he has encountered Falstaff incognito. Falstaff has left to prettify himself as he prepares to visit Ford's wife, and Ford, left alone with his thoughts, sings this stunned, enraged monologue. We're going to hear a portion beginning with the words O matrimonio infamia. Here Ford curses marriage and women and in the end sings the praise of jealousy that has welled up in his heart. And we are going to hear yet another birthday child here. This is Alan Titus, who was born October 28, 1945 and of course began his career as a gorgeous lyric baritone and gradually developed into an outstanding Wagner held in baritone in particular, and yet he also could fully embrace a part like Ford, which he recorded in 1992 under the baton of Colin Davis. And 
what we do today is move through Verdi's compositional output more or less chronologically so that we can see how he developed as a composer. And along the way, of course, we're going to encounter some extraordinary voices and performances. Let's begin this chronological traversal with one of Verdi's lesser early efforts, Giovanna d'Arco, Joan of Arc. This is the first of Verdi's operas based on a play of Friedrich Schiller, in this case his Jungfrau von Orleans. 1951 was a big Verdi year because it was the 50th anniversary of his death, and there was an effort by the Rai, Italian radio, to broadcast a complete series of live performances of Verdi's operas over the radio. This performance, which took place on the 26th of May 1951, was one such effort. A young Renata Tebaldi portrayed the title role for the first and, I think, only time in her career, and her father was portrayed by the soon-to-be venerable baritone Rolando Panerai, then at the very early stages of his singing career who himself became a very celebrated Falstaff, by the way. Panerai was a long-lived singer. He was born the 17th of October 1924 and died the 22nd of October 2019. And he remained an active singer and teacher over the course of that very long life. We're going to hear the Cavatina Spemi al vecchio era una figlia. An old man's hope was his daughter. Giacomo has decided that his daughter is in league with the devil and that he must denounce her. Alfredo Simonetto leads the Rai forces in this recording. Oh, <laughs> 
by the Ukrainian-American baritone Igor Gorin. I featured him on his own pair of episodes a number of years ago. First was a regular episode, and the second one was a Patreon episode. By the way, for those who are interested, I'll do my little spiel right now. Please consider, especially because it's my birthday this coming week, supporting me on Patreon. Through the generosity of a handful of faithful supporters, I do make a nominal fee every month that helps to offset some of my expenses. But it's my dream to actually be able to pay myself for my work. Yeah. That's what I would really love. Anyway, in the meantime, I am still going to continue to bring you episodes every week. But if you want to support me, please go to patreon.com countermelody, where you can pledge your support monthly or yearly. I think that's all I'll say about it right now. You know how much I appreciate you all. So I don't want to take up too much time pandering for your support. Igor Gorin is a very interesting figure. He was born October 26th, 1904, and died March 24th, 1982. He has one of the most intrinsically beautiful voices I've heard in any baritone ever, and that's certainly borne out in this 1941 recording of an excerpt from Attila dagli Mortal Vertigi. It might behoove us to say a word here about the librettist Temistocle Solera, who contributed the libretti for, thus far, Nabucco, Giovanna d'Arco, and Attila. He also wrote the libretti for Oberto and I Lombardi, which we're not going to hear represented today, as well as providing the idea for the libretto of Aida. Like Arrigo Boito, but much less famously, he was also a composer. He lived from 1815 through 1878. And in addition to his libretti and operatic compositions, he was also a novelist. As an author, he was strongly influenced by Alessandro Manzoni, the poet, novelist, and philosopher who was so important in codifying the Italian language and whose death in 1873 inspired Verdi to write his monumental Requiem, excerpts of which we will hear later in the episode.
Like Igor Gorin, the next two singers have also received extra special treatment on countermelody. The first is the Mexican tenor Francisco Araiza, who on October 4th turned 72 years old, and whose 70th birthday I celebrated with an overview of his wonderful career. He was a singer who began singing light tenor parts and who graduated to heavier roles. In my opinion, he did this quite successfully. In the opinion of some others, these were less successful assumptions. That's not what we're discussing today. We're just discussing birthdays. And Giuseppe Verdi. Another of Verdi's lesser early operas is Alzira, which is in fact based, believe it or not, on a play by Voltaire. This work was commissioned by the Teatro San Carlo in Naples in 1845 and is very much an extension of certain bel canto traditions that were still quite prevalent. We haven't heard any of the big cabalettas yet, but we're going to amend that situation. The character of Zamoro is the leader of an indigenous Peruvian tribe, in order to secure his release from the clutches of the conquering Spanish governor, his beloved Alzira has agreed to marry said governor. Zamoro has just made this discovery and is vowing revenge. That is the dramatic situation in this aria, Non dico dar de lagrime, the recordings from 1983, and the Münchener Rundfunk Orchester and the core, des Bayerischen Rundfunks, are led by Lamberto Gardelli, that esteemed Verdian. Oh, my God. 
somewhat controversial singer who not only happens to be one of my very favorite singers of all time, but who was also born in the month of October is the prodigiously gifted Edda Moser, who was born on the 27th of October 1938 and who blessedly is still with us. I did a double whammy in celebration of her birthday last year, and I encourage you all to check that out. Meanwhile, I have an extraordinary sound document to offer you here. That is from her performance at the Wiener Staatsoper of Gilda in Rigoletto. This is a portion of the Caro Nome, and I warrant that you will never hear this aria sung with greater aplomb, ease, or spectacular trills. I just love Edda Moser, and I hope you do too. This performance took place on the 7th of February, 
Now, another singer that I have not yet featured on the podcast, but who is not held in particularly high regard, is the Argentinian soprano Delia Rigal. She was born on October 6th, 1920, and died on May 8th, 2013. Certainly, she achieved her greatest prominence when she appeared as Elisabetta in Don Carlo at the beginning of Rudolf Bing's regime at the Met. She emigrated to the United States in 1955, where she ended her days. But the recording that we're going to hear now is from the year 1952 and was made in Argentina with the orchestra of the Teatro Colón, conducted by Juan Emilio Martini. This is a very rare studio recording of Rigal's, and it is a surprisingly moving performance of Violetta's letter scene from the fourth act of La Traviata. I was not familiar with the voice of Delia Rigal, but if this recording is any indication, she was an estimable singer. La diffida e peruoso, il barone fu ferito, però migliora. Al freddo il strano suono, il vostro sacrificio io stesso gli ho svelato. Egli a voi tornerà del suo perdono. Io pur verrò e curatevi.
Russian baritone Dmitry Khvorostovsky was born on the 16th of October 1962 and died on the 22nd of November 2017, five years ago next month. He was an enormously gifted singer who, honestly, was never one of my favorites, but I did see him give an extraordinary performance at the Met of Rodrigo in Don Carlo, which gained him my full approval, believe me. He had the ability to spin out an absolutely beautiful line. I'm going to play a recording for you of his final performance at the Wiener Staatsoper in November 2016. He is no longer in his prime here, and sometimes he struggles, but in spite and perhaps even because of the fact that he was so gravely ill, his performance of the Provence el Mar is extraordinarily moving, which you can hear was very much appreciated by his adoring audience. excerpts from two of the three of Verdi's most famous operas, Rigoletto and La Traviata. Of course, the other one that remains a mega standard is Il Trovatore, but we're not hearing anything from that today. It's just the luck of the draw. 
I'm actually a big lover of Il Trovatore, silly story and all. But Verdi moved on to greater artistic maturity with the operas that just followed on the heels of his three most famous ones. These were, in order of composition, Les Vepres Siciliennes, which is better known in its Italian translation as I Vespri Siciliani, Simone Boccanegra, a wonderful, if flawed work, which went through a significant revision, and the three that we're going to hear examples from today, Un Ballo in Maschera, La Forza del Destino, and Don Carlo. First, from Ballo in Maschera, we're going to hear an excerpt from the final act from a live concert in the year 1970. The singer we're going to hear is John Alexander, who was a house tenor at the Metropolitan Opera, as well as the New York City Opera, who performed there between the 1950s and the 1980s. He was born on October 21st, 1923, and died suddenly and unexpectedly on December 8th, 1990, at the age of only 67. When one considers the versatility, the vocal skill, the interpretive acuity, and the integrity of his singing. One is, or at least I am, completely bowled over by these qualities. He sang everything from Belmonte in Entführung to Walter in Meistersinger, and the role of Ricardo in Ballo in Maschera fell exactly in his sweet spot. As I mentioned, this is a live recording with Julius Rudell leading the Philadelphia Orchestra. The performance date was the 23rd of August, 1970, and this is Ma se me perderti.
Another singer from the next generation after John Alexander, who also gave an exceptional number of great performances at the Met, was the Romanian tenor Vasile Moldoveanu. He was born on October 6th, 1935, and just recently celebrated his 87th birthday. During his years at the Met, 1977 to 1986, he was featured on a number of telecasts, and broadcasts, and never failed to give a heartfelt and full-throated performance. I'm a big fan of his voice, and here we're going to hear him in one of his rare studio recordings singing Io la vidi from Veriston Carlo, which he also sang at the Met, performances that were both heard and seen on radio and television. Io la vidi is another exceptional Libran, the mezzo-soprano Irene Dallas, who was born on October 8th, 1925, and lived through December 14th, 2014. Her career was originally based in Europe and was the offshoot of a Fulbright scholarship that she received. 
She spent two seasons at the medium-sized house in Oldenburg. She found working in a repertory house so congenial that when she retired from singing, she went on to found Opera San Jose, the sole company in the United States that was founded on similar principles as that in the European repertory houses, such as Oldenburg. After Oldenburg, she went on to sing at the Berlin Opera, and from there she went on to a career of nearly 20 years at the Met, which included some legendary productions and performances, including singing Azucena alongside Leontine Price and Franco Corelli in their joint debuts in Il Trovatore, and singing the role of the nurse in the Met's premiere production of Die Frau ohne Schatten, which also starred Leonie Riesenek, James King, Christa Ludwig, and Walter Berry. We're going to hear her in O Don Fatale from Don Carlo, which is one of my very favorite Verdi scenas. I had mentioned earlier the bel canto standard of recitative, cavatina, and cabaletta. And as Verdi developed his own personal style of music theater, which for me reaches its apex, I think, in Don Carlo, he compressed those forms into this extraordinary scena, which opens with a recitative of sorts, then goes into the O Mia Regina section, the cavatina, and then bursts into a very truncated cabaletta, if you will, as Eboli resolves to save Don Carlo in the one day that remains her until she is banished from the kingdom. This is a live performance that took place on the 15th of January, 1961. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
Pace, mio Dio, quite a bit on this podcast lately. Perhaps it's as if I felt that a plea for peace is so desperately needed right now, but it doesn't seem to be bringing about any tangible results in the world. Nevertheless, I'm going to offer a portion of yet another extraordinary performance of Pace, Pace, from, of course, La Forza del Destino, which was another of those five operas which are sometimes referred to as Verdi's dark operas. Because they make big demands on an opera company in terms of chorus, orchestra, and of course number of principals, these operas tend not to be done as frequently, but nevertheless, they certainly have their adherents. We are going to hear a soprano that I featured one other time on the podcast and who will certainly be coming up as a primary subject in my series on great singers behind the Iron Curtain. That is the Czech soprano Hanna Janku, who was born on October 25th, 1940, and died tragically young again at the age of only 54 on April 28th, 1995. She was celebrated as one of the greatest Turandos of her era, and sang it around the world, although I don't believe she ever sang at the Met. This is a radio recording that was made in 1970 and features the Czech maestro František Jilek leading the Brno State Theatre Opera Orchestra. I wish I could play the entire aria, but I've had to truncate some of these because there were so many extraordinary Verdi singers born in the month of October. I do submit to you that, barring some strange Italian pronunciation, that Janku has all the trademarks of a great Verdi soprano. I love that slightly metallic quality, but then the ability to float exquisite pianissimi.
Next, I have something special for you, as if what I've been offering hasn't already been special. But this is very close to my heart. This coming October 18th will be the 103rd birthday of the great Camilla Williams, who died on January 29th, 2012, at the age of 91. A few weeks ago, when I did the introductory episode to my projected Nyko Divas series, I featured a brief excerpt of Camilla Williams in a studio recording of Aida that was made with the forces of the New York City Opera in the early 1950s. This record of excerpts was severely truncated, and many choice moments were left out, but it is still a valuable document of Camilla Williams as Aida, a role which she did sing at City Opera. As I described in that episode from a few weeks ago, she was the first African-American singer to have a standing contract with a major U.S. opera company. For that reason alone, she would be assured her place in history. Even though her voice was on the light side for Aida, she nevertheless was a stirring performer of that part. One of the arias featured nearly complete on that album of highlights is Ritorna Vincitor. Unfortunately, the version which originally circulated on a private issue of Camilla Williams's studio recordings had a big skip in the middle of the Ritorna Vincitor, and that is the version that has been posted and reposted over the years. But just this last week, I got a fresh, clean copy of this rare record. So I am going to play for you the complete and unskipping version of Camilla Williams singing Ritorna Vincitor with Lajla Halash, her mentor and one of the principal conductors at New York City Opera, leading that orchestra. Ritorna Vincitor, Vincitor del Padre mio, che pugno darmi per me, per ritornarmi una patria, una reggia, e non mi lutri che qui ce l'armi porto. Vincitor dei miei fratelli, addio la
Next up, I have a powerhouse duo. Born on different continents, within days of each other, in the last week of October 1926. The Russian soprano Galina Vishnyavskaya, born on October 25th, and the Canadian Heldon tenor John Vickers, born on October 29th. First up is the matchless Galina Vishnevskaya. Hers is a stormy, fascinating, sometimes tragic story. Before she and her husband, Mstislav Rostropovich, escaped from the Soviet Union, she was only allowed very rare opportunities to concertize and perform in the West. One of those occasions was when she sang the title role of Aida at Covent Garden, in the winter of 1964. On that occasion, she was joined by the Radames of John Vickers, whose international career had begun in earnest at Covent Garden several years prior to that. The sound on this recording is less than ideal, but oh my God, I don't think one could ever hear a more gloriously vocalized and deeply felt performance of this, dare I call it, an iconic duet. As the repentant Amneris who prays outside the pyramid in which Aida and Radames have just been condemned to death, we hear that greatest of Amneris's, Giulietta Simeonato. So far, the only singer we've heard today who was not born in the month of October. For those of you who want to hear more of Simeonato, I did feature her in the first season of the podcast, so I encourage you to look her up, because man, she's really one of the all-time dramatic mezzo greats.
haven't heard so many meadows today. I don't know. There doesn't seem to have been a bumper crop of October-born Verdi meadows. But you're going to hear one fantastic singer right now. And that is the American contralto Clara Mae Turner, who was born October 28th. 1920, and died on May 18th, 2013. We're going to hear her in a live 1955 excerpt from Verdi's Requiem, which was composed in 1874 in memory of that Italian figurehead Manzoni, whom I mentioned a little while back. This is a performance that was conducted by Guido Cantelli, another short-lived musician who was tragically killed in a plane crash the year after this recording took place. This is an excerpt from the Liber Scriptus aria, beginning with the words Judex ergo cum sedebit. We hear the New York Philharmonic and the Westminster Choir, as conducted by Guido Cantelli. featuring on an all-Verdi episode, is the German soprano Irmgard Seyfried, who was born on the 9th of October 1919 and died on the 24th of November 1988. She is most known as a Mozart Strauss singer. 
And though she sang some bigger roles, she tended to take these on after the voice, I don't want to be impolite, but let's just say the voice went south. The technique was not really secure, but her interpretive and communicative abilities were of the highest order. So it's really exceptional to hear this recording performed under the baton of Karl Böhm of the Verdi Requiem, in which Irmgard Seyfried is the unexpected soprano soloist. This performance took place on the 4th of February, 1945, with the chorus and orchestra of the Wiener Staatsoper. I was not able to find out exactly where this performance took place, but that it took place at all in February, 1945, presumably somewhere in Austria. It's extraordinary. Now, I was attacked by a commentator who told me that I spent far too much time featuring German singers and not exposing their Nazi connections. I don't know where this person got this information. If there are things that need to be said in this regard, as there is, for instance, about Karl Böhm, I'm going to say them. But war is a horrible thing. It doesn't matter what side you're on. Everybody's suffering. And I am not one of those people who is going to cancel out great Russian singers from the past, who also suffered mightily under authoritarian regimes. I refer you to the life story of Galina Vishnevskaya, or other singers that I feature today who suffered enormously under totalitarian regimes. Vasily Moldovianu, Hanayanku, both of them. I don't mean to get vehement, but I just needed to say that. Once again, this episode has gone on way, 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 way too long, and I guess I would be what Stephen Sondheim would say, sorry, grateful for all these exceptional October-born singers that have certainly made my day a lot better, and I hope yours as well. I'm going to close off the main part of the program, there are two little encores at the end, with the unique... Sena Jurinatz, who was born on the 24th of October, 1921, and died on November 22, 2011. 
She too was known primarily as a Mozart Strauss singer, but hers was a voice that, unlike Seyfried's, was capable of taking on heavier repertoire, such as Fidelio, Madama Butterfly, Elisabetta in Don Carlo, Tosca, Elisabeth in Tannhäuser, and Desdemona. Many people found fault with her for trying to move outside of what they felt was her natural repertoire. But when I hear her performance of the Ave Maria from Otello, as it was heard in this 1969 German telecast, I'm not at all sorry and extremely grateful. The orchestra here is conducted by a very young Christoph von Dochnani. Ave Maria, piena di grazia, eletta fra le spose, le vergini sei tu, sia benedetto il frutto, oh benedetta, di tue materne viscere, Gesù.
One thing I have not commented on is Giuseppe Verdi's ability to write a killer tune. And for the final two numbers, we're going to hear two final October babies singing Verdi's two greatest hits. First off is Luciano Pavarotti, who was born on the 12th of October 1935 and died on the 6th of September 2007. He also tended to extend beyond the natural boundaries of his voice. And yet, for the most part, apart from a sort of gummy period in the 80s and 90s, he was an exceptionally astute technician and a breezily insouciant interpreter. He made his first appearance on the operatic stage in April 1961, and just a few short years later, he appeared with La Scala when they toured Russia in 1964. No one knew who he was at this time, and when he walked out onto that stage and sang the way that you're about to hear, the audience went wild, and his world career was well on its way. The pianist here is Antonio Tonini, and we're going to hear just the second verse of La Donna Immobile. It's a piece that I think I made clear earlier on I don't really care for, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. It's the Brindisi from La Traviata. I don't know why this became such a popular song with people who know nothing about opera. <laughs> I'm not even going to pause it a guess. But it does give me a chance to present to you, however briefly, another great Verdi soprano who on the 21st of October will celebrate her 97th birthday. Virginia Zeani. Her Violetta was for many years unmatched, and in 1968 she recorded a complete version in her native Romania. I'm offering a truncated version in which we briefly hear the tenor Ion Buzea. He is also not a Libran, but... He will be featured in the month of November when I do a series on great Romanian tenors. The first in my Behind the Iron Curtain series. For now, my dear friends, thank you so much for joining me. Let's all raise a glass to all of these magnificent Librans, primary among them, the great Giuseppe Verdi. My dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. And chin chin. Bravo. 
rencontre là.